especially like that. Have you been up to that prairie fire? I have. Yeah. I mean, because like malls and just the standard strips are kind of out. Yeah, yeah, and they're looking so old. Yeah. But Prairie Fire, I was just over in Town Center yesterday. You know that uh, what do they call that area where California Pizza, pizza Kitchen yeah. is, yeah. Picasso, Exotic yeah. Quack. So that's where Orange Three is, Chop House. Just cool. That uh, Town uh, Town Center. Town Center, right. but that, it's called something else. That specific little area. That little that little strip yeah. right there. Yeah. yeah, off to the north. I think everything is leaning towards that, and like experiences. Yeah. Smaller movie theaters. Yeah. More intimate, kind of a community setting, yeah. Which is cool because the strip centers are just ugly. Yeah. Even the one on Shawnee. Yeah. I was over there yesterday, I was like, man, it just looks so old nowadays. And, and you, nowadays. like, the people that are selling stuff are going to have to incorporate experiences and entertainment into it. That's right. Because I don't, my wife and I just buy everything on Amazon. Who nowadays. does? <laughs> like, I know. That's, that's all we it's do. It's got to be a destination or you're not going to go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we were in Lowe's yesterday getting some stuff and I needed that 15th, 16th socket. Yeah. Right for this thing on my brush hog, and yeah. I was like, crap, I don't want to buy this whole stocking set for 40 50 bucks. This is like, hop on Amazon, yep, seven bucks, ordered, be here today. Yep, it's like Amazon Prime, and that's what we do. It's, it's bad because we're like, oh, we need this, she'll get it, yeah. And there's like specific, especially with her going through the pregnancy and now postpartum stuff, oh, yeah, just anything specific. She gets on there, yeah, orders next the day. exact size, yeah. next day, it's yeah, there. don't have to get up out of your seat, yeah, yeah. it's cool. Cool. So, I didn't realize, I was reading through your bio, either I forgot or that you're a mid-American Nazarene grad. Yeah. That's where my whole family went. Did you really? Yeah. Okay, okay. So, it the basketball my... coach there was my parents' <clears throat> youth pastor in Iowa. Un unbelievable. That's the only reason we ended up in Kansas City. Yeah. Because they were like best friends. But yeah, my, my entire family went through there. There's some good people there, brother. You know, yeah. I went to Pitt State first. I mean, I wasn't, yeah. I was a... a Christian, but not a Christ follower, if you will. Yeah, you know, yeah. went to Pitt State. It's the only place I could yeah. afford. Had to put myself through that. And then uh, when I met my wife, I was like, <clears throat> I don't want to be away from her that much. And you know, God kind of led me up here through that business, mm -hmm. drive away, and really all orchestrated. That had to be God orchestrated. Nothing else makes sense. But then went to Mid America, changed to business, and had some of the best professors that I'll never forget. Yeah, yeah. Who who was your professors up there? So Mike Golf. He was my professor. <laughs> He's fantastic, He's right? He just retired guy. last year. Yeah. Mark Ford. Okay. Mark, Mark, he was yeah, like a business him. law. Yeah. Dave Wegley. Yep. Young guy. Uh, and then and beyond that, I don't remember. Okay. I remember like my stats. I teacher. had those three, Yorton Clark, um, let's see, Jamie Myrtle, accounting professor. Those, those might have been new. Okay. Yeah. I had all my accounting, I think, at JUCO before I went. That's funny. We, I mean, we have pretty much the same similar story. Yeah. Because I didn't know where I was all basketball, basketball, basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of got burnt out. Yeah. And then I went to Emporia State. Okay. Just kind of with a buddy. Okay. And First year. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely hated it. Yeah. So, yeah. God kind of led me towards Mid American Nazarene. Yeah. And then I met my wife. At school junior there. Year. Yeah. Okay. Adam okay. and you. Yeah. We've got some other good friends that go to Maranatha. We were classmates at Mid America. Didn't know each other then, yeah. but they had gone there, met, married. Their kids went through uh, Maranatha Academy. It's a small world up here, man. Yeah, that's that's cool. That's and cool. I have encouraged a lot of kids to go through there, just because of my experience and um, some some kids that had struggles at KU and whatnot went through there, changed their life. Mm -hmm. So now I'm a big fan. Yeah, I mean you're you're in a classroom and you have usually each professor's cell phone number. Yeah. Yep. And, and they actually care about you. They so care about you. That's cool. Yeah. And they know your name, man. So how is, before we get into like what you're doing now with the lawn, lawn and landscape yeah. side, why don't you give me just 
brief summary of your both personal bio and career bio? Sure. Yeah, pretty pretty simple. I mean, you know, I grew up in a small town out in Baser, Kansas, um, with a single mom. Okay. Didn't have uh, didn't have a whole lot. My dad was a police officer, so never grew up with much. But I just knew I didn't want to go down the government uh, employment uh, path. So. Um, Ended up uh, deciding to be an engineer major at Pittsburgh State, so I was one of the first in my family to even go to college, and went down to Pittsburgh for a couple of years studying plastics engineering, doing doing well, but in the process uh, of that second year, met my met my what would be my future wife, yeah. and uh, you know as relationships go, you, you grow closer, you don't want to be so far away, and uh, Pittsburgh wasn't a real good price setting for me, right? I was, I was a fraternity. President and stuff. It yeah, just yeah. wasn't wasn't probably a good good place to be for me. So decided to move up here uh, that summer and uh, took a job with a trucking company um, through a friend of mine whose dad had this little mom and pop shop mm-hmm. trucking company and uh, agreed on five dollars an hour uh, yeah. wage, which yeah. was enough for some gas money. Yeah. So did that for the summer. It was going to be a summer job, and I was I was actually going to head back to Pittsburgh and finish my degree. Yeah. Well, this. I kind of fell in love with this job, per se. It, you know, I was an 18-year-old kid trying to trying to dispatch 50-year-old men, and, yeah. and I, I kind of started gaining some talents there, and I liked that. And then I got closer to my wife, and I thought, man, I, I just got to stay here, figure this out. So, ended up um, applying at Mid American Nazarene College, and they took all my credits from Pitt State, gave me a path to graduate with a business degree in two years. Okay. And um, for me, I was like, man, that's that's a blessing. I, yeah. I can finish my, my degree in, in a four-year span. And so I went there, stayed working for that trucking company, um, graduated in those two years. And when I got my uh, degree, I went back to my boss, as we had talked about, and said, hey, Larry, I've got my degree. I've, I've quadrupled your company. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in and just, you had taken him from how many drivers? Yeah, when I started with one? him, he had 10 drivers, ten right? Drivers. Working out of a single-wide trailer behind his farmhouse in Bonner Springs. Yeah. Um, 10 drivers. By the time I graduated, we had 40 drivers. So quadruple his company. Yeah. I was running the entire company, so I knew what he was making, right? Yeah. More money than I thought people made because I didn't know any better. <laughs> I was just an ignorant kid that, yeah. that was figuring things out. But I saw the progression of his income, and I thought, man, this guy, you know, he's gonna he's gonna take great care of me, and and, and great care of me back then would have been like thirty thousand. Right? I didn't know yeah. any better. I just thought, hey, I could maybe buy us a house someday, and yeah. we'd be on our way. Um, but I went to him, and and actually sat across from this guy and I never saw him much he was a driver so he's on the road a lot but kind of intimidating guy and I'm young you know whatever at, at that time 21 year old yeah yeah so I sit across from the table and he writes down kind of a little piece of paper and slides it across the table kind of like uh, Clark Griswold gets the jelly at the <laughs> club right you, you've seen the movie so it's yes. great and you just kind of take it you puff and you puff and you know, I didn't have that. So he, he just—he literally—he wrote he his wrote, number for you down on that piece of paper. Wrote this figure, and I can still see it like it was just yesterday. It said twenty-three thousand four hundred dollars, right? Yeah. Which is the equivalent of about eleven bucks an hour. Yeah. Right. And I think at the time I was probably all, you know already making eight dollars, so I think he thought he was really doing me a big favor. Yeah. But looking back, it is probably the best thing that ever happened because it, it, it offended me so much yeah. that I thought, you know what, I know how to run this business. I've ran his business and I've grown his business. Yeah. I just got to find the money to start my own. Wow. So I went out, you know, on that journey trying to find money, trying to go to banks. Yeah. Uh, and you know, as, as you know, a young businessman with no assets, yeah. they love your story. They're not going to take a risk on you. So yeah. every bank in town is like, man, great, great idea, great story, good yeah. luck, out the door you go. And yeah. so I finally got so so desperate. I was like, well, uh, you know, I don't want to give up on this dream because I think I can make this happen. 
Well, because I had gotten my college degree, started getting uh, applications for all these credit cards, mm -hmm. right? So I was like, hmm, let me sign up for these. So every credit card, you know, would have like a $2,000 limit, but they'd yeah. give you $1,000 in cash advance yeah. at 26%. I was like, well, I got nothing to lose. I mean, I signed up for probably 25, 30 credit cards. I think I got approved for, man, there's probably 10 of them, 12 yeah, of them. Yeah. End up, end up taking 26,000 in cash from these credit cards at 26% and started this business wow. with, with four wow. drivers, one computer, two bedroom apartment, and a business partner. Yeah. And we got started. And I was scared to death, but I told my wife. And now, where said, did where did the business partner come in? How, so he was a friend of mine at college, okay. right? So I actually went looking for my dad. You know, hey dad, you know, you got some money, can you invest? We partners. Oh, son, you know, I can't take that risk. Went to uncles. I didn't have anybody with money in my family. Yeah. But really, all they needed is ten or twenty thousand to kind of come into the business yeah. and go. But you know, it, it's a risk. And here's this young kid. And what does he know? Yeah. And um, and did he bring did he bring the same amount of money to the table? Or? He did. Okay. Yeah. So uh, he was supposed to. Yeah. Right? That was the agreement. We were fifty fifty partners. But mm -hmm. what I learned through a partnership is if you don't have all that worked out on paper in writing. Yeah. You usually get dis disappointed. So yeah. he didn't. He didn't bring much to the table. Um, and then you know, over the course of a few years, I realized he wasn't the same work ethic. Yeah. Committed. Yeah. Um, didn't have the same moral uh, compass yeah. as I did, and so, and we'll get into that. But I worked with him for about 12 years, and okay. eventually was able to get rid of him. But um, and how did that, if you don't mind, practically, how did that look? You you bought out his. No. So what happened is, you know, we worked those 12 years. Basically, didn't like each other for about 11 and a half of those years. Okay. But kind of like a bad marriage, you stay together for the sake of the kids. We were growing a business. We had actually grown it to um, several million in revenue. Okay. That the 26,000 that I had borrowed from credit cards paid that back in six months, right? Okay. With all the interest, we were okay. now debt-free, growing the business, okay. hiring employees. Uh, so grew that business pretty well. But uh, at, at the end of that 12 years with my partner, um, you know, I just, we had just lost our biggest account, yeah. which is weird. And I went to him and said, John, we, we need to separate, you know, Let's work it out. Uh, I was going to buy him, mm -hmm. and uh, just the way things kind of turned around and, and the reputation of our company was kind of going downhill, I decided to sell out to him 100%. So I sold all my equity interest to him, grabbed a check, left, uh, went and bought a building, okay. started started my own 100% driveway company within two months, okay. and man, the rest is kind of history. And so that Took clean off. break from him was, was kind of better for you. It was your own reputation, the way you wanted. You got it. And okay. I could do, you know, my own marketing, my own logo, my own yeah. identity. Yeah. And, and man, for me, it was like I was on fire again, yeah. you know? And then that's where Team Driveway was that's born? That's where Team that, Driveway was born, and yeah. What, what year was that? That was in 2006. So I left him in uh, September of 2006, sold out. By November 2006, had okay. Team Driveway. Going. Okay. Yeah. And then I assume you guys were bringing enough revenue before the market dipped a little bit or were you not affected well, by that? Well, 2006 was kind of a tough year yeah. uh, in, in the industry, in the economy, if you will, but it was an also an opportunity. Yeah. So uh, because I had just sold out and was on fire, man, it just got aggressive, right? Yeah. Went to, uh, you know, I, I uh, came across a really good employee that you know, Scott Shacklett, yeah. uh, yeah. was, was recommended to me by <clears throat> a brother-in-law of mine. Brought him on, I was like, Scott, listen, I know the business, I've got the rapport, I've got the reputation, we just need to build this thing. So. Having that inside, it just took the work to get it done. Okay. So we went to work, got aggressive, and then we got some of the biggest customers that are still customers today that first six months. Yep. And we went from zero to, uh, I think, five million revenue within a year. Wow. We were cruising. Wow. So things were good. Scott yep. was happy. We were growing the business. We had just yep. moved into one of the new buildings that I bought. Okay. And uh, man, away we went. Okay. 
And so from there carries all the way to what, 2015? 2015, yeah. We grew the business. Um, at that point, we, we had about 300 drivers doing about uh, 25 to 28 million in revenue. Okay. And I uh, had always had in the back of my mind that I'd like to sell the company eventually. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I had received a phone call from this lady uh, from this newspaper called Mergers and Acquisitions, right? She wanted to do a, a little article on us because she saw the awards and accolades we were getting and just yeah. kind of want to know our secret sauce. So my first question to her was, well, what's this going to cost me, right? Because everybody wants in your pocket. And she's like, oh, nothing. We just, you know, it sounds like this great story. We, we want to hear about it. So I said, fine. And we spent 30 minutes kind of talking through and having a good time, laughing and, and just sharing some stories. But at the very end of that conversation, she goes, well, Jim, I have to ask you, would you ever be willing to sell your company? And I said, everything's for sale. We hung up. Within about 10, 12 days, I was getting emails, phone calls, texts from all these business bankers around the nation. Hey, we've read your story. You know, we'd like to market your company. You know, or are you interested in selling? And it just went crazy. And I just yeah. went from as somebody having a dream to why not check this out? Got yeah. nothing to lose. Yeah. And ended up interviewing about 20 different uh, business bankers and ended up going with a company out of St. Louis that really offered me the best um, potential. I didn't think they could get there, but I was like, hey, you know, it, it's, it's a very low cost probe. Let's, let's go and let's see what you guys can do. And, yeah. you know, I'm not going to pay you along the way, but if you sell it, you'll make out, I'll make out. Yeah. And they were, uh, so once I committed to them that year, they sold my business within six months to the day. Yeah, and okay. sold that in October of 2015. Okay, and so this all sounds quick, but you, s so from getting into the trucking industry to selling Team Driveway yeah. was how long? Well, well, like any business, right, it's an overnight success. It yeah. just happens to take 20 years to do it. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so from the time I started rolling in 1995, okay. sold in 2015, so almost exactly 20 years. 20 years. Yeah, and, and it's a flash, and any of us in business know that. It yeah. goes by fast, yeah. but if you stick it out through the good times and the bad, yeah. make some good decisions, correct your mistakes, yeah. we can it all sounds like It sounds like you brought good people on. I mean, how, how did you do that, especially... Yeah right at the beginning because it, it sounds easy and especially in the green industry it's, right it's a little different story sure you're dealing when with I think in any in any industry right so I think the main thing is you want to hire well yeah. like, like they say you hire slowly mm -hmm. fire quickly yeah. right so there were several people I had to let go I had one person quit me ever in that in that at least with team in that 10 years of team I had one person quit only okay. because she was moving to Colorado okay but we created a culture and an environment that was so healthy mm -hmm. and fun, even though it's a stressful business, that people wanted and desired to be there. Okay. So I think what, what our main probably secret sauce there was is I always told everybody I hired by personality. Mm -hmm. If I'd like to choose a person, I think I can teach you anything, right? We can all learn any yeah. skill. But I, I didn't want to hire a bunch of people with knowledge and trucking yeah. with these terrible personalities and try to change them. Okay. Because a personality, a person's spots are their spots. Mm -hmm. But if they've got a great personality and they're willing to learn, I think you can make someone great. Yeah, you can, yeah. You can do a lot with that. That's right. That's awesome. That's awesome. What um, What are kind of your biggest learning lessons that you're going to carry with you from that industry over now to Lawn and Landscape? To Lawn and Landscape, yeah. So, you know, any industry, and I think what I like, the parallel between landscape and trucking is this blue collar, right? Yeah. So you're, you're taking a bunch of people that think all they need, all they can do in life is work and die, right? Mm -hmm. 
But when you can take some people and build a dream and inspire them to be the best they can be, yeah. I think that's what I'll, I'll carry over because to me, it's not about the money and the success. That, that all comes. But if you build a good foundation, a good culture, you take good care of people, you inspire them and bring out the best in others, it's a win-win. I mean, it's, it's great for the owner, the proprietor, and it's great for the, for the, the receiver. And so that is what I'll take over, is just building that great culture, not pushing everybody to their limit, but but allowing everybody to reach that limit yeah. that, that they want to reach. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. And then I'll also have you touch on, a lot of our listeners are just starting a business, mm-hmm. where they're kind of 20 to 30 years old, yeah. found themselves in lawn care. I think there's a lot of misconceptions. Um, kind of entrepreneurship is cool, yeah. business ownership is cool right now. Talk about kind of the grind, the, the day in and day out that you have to put in yeah. to actually get to that point where you Well, where I think some of the 20 years later. Right, you know? right. Well, you know, when, when you're young, you got all these big dreams and stars in, yeah, in yeah. your eyes, right? But I think some of the best advice that my mother ever gave me, right? And she was, she was a poor lady and a single mom. But she said, Jim, if you want to be rich, you got to live like you're poor, right? So what that means is those people that make some money and they've got to be surrounded by their buddies and buying all the drinks and being the, the man of the hour, you can do that for a while, but you'll be broke, no matter how much money you have. But when you're in a business, you've got to learn frugality. You've got to learn to be a good steward of everything you're given. You've got to have some cushion. You've got to learn how to price well. Because if all you do is work, you'll make a living. But if you learn how to price well and be a good steward of your funds, you'll then be able to make a life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I think that's what we're all after. So I think when you start making some good money, don't raise your lifestyle accordingly. But start packing that away for a rainy day. Yeah. Start working so hard that you outwork your money yeah. and be so frugal and, and a good steward of your money that you can't outspend that, you'll be on your way. That's so great. that's one thing yeah. with young people, just don't don't let that extra income sway your lifestyle yeah. right away. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, start to feel that margin you got rather it. than continue to raise your lifestyle. Yeah. Um, I love the, the piece that you just talked about with pricing. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I found right when I got into the industry. Everybody wants to lowball. That's right. Everybody wants, it's a race to the bottom. And so then it devalues our service and overall devalues the green industry. Yeah. Talk about how you price things and how you how you add value right. kind of from the get. And that way your pricing is not reflected upon competition. Because right. what I found, like literally my first year, it's like, well, we're just price shopping. That's right. That, that's all they. That's all they yeah. want to do. And if you're not, you know, you could you could get the business. Yeah. But they're going to switch to the next person. That's right. And if you're selling on only that alone, you're you're not going to retain good clients. Yeah. Well, I, I think that you know, and that could be true for any business, group, yeah. right? Because a lot of us are just taught in school that yeah. man, the lowest price wins, right? It's the, yeah. the whole world's Walmart. Yeah. Well, it's not. What we have to refocus on is the fact that we are solving somebody else's problem. Mm -hmm. Their problem is they need their grass mowed, they need their bushes replanted Mm -hmm. and trimmed and everything else. We're solving that problem. So they can use the cheapest service and get those results, or you can sell them on the fact that you're going to have the best looking place in the neighborhood. I might be a little higher, but I'll be there. I'll be on time. I'll do what I say. You have no problems. I won't create problems for you. I'll solve them. And I think when you approach people like that, that... Um, I have not just cut your lawn. I'm not just a mower, a guy behind a mower, but I'm a guy that solves your problem with your lawn that you don't have to touch and you can be proud of. Yeah. 
then you sell it on that, right? Yep. The results there. Yep. Now you can't be so crazy high that people are just willing to throw money away. Yep. You could, no matter how big their house is, they're conscientious, and most of those people in those big houses got there because they're they frugal and they're good stewards of their money. Yeah. yeah. So, but you, if you give them, you show up, you, you're clean, you've got nice looking equipment, mm -hmm. you don't have crap hanging off and rusty trailers and all this, and yep. you look like you just pulled out of, you know, the inner city. <laughs> These people will, will use you, yeah. and, and you know you look at some of the some of the big ones around town. Yeah. Uh, they've gotten big, not by charging the cheapest, but by really being high priced, yeah. but delivering results. Yeah, yeah. So focus on value, professionalism up front. You got. That's it. what we've done from day one. It's like yeah. you're wearing a polo shirt tucked in, yep. clean shaven. We haven't always had the nicest trucks, but that yep. cause, that's because I didn't you, want to take any debt load. That's right. That's but we're, right. We're now to the point where we're able to wrap trucks yeah. and branding, and they. They kind of see the value, and it kind of builds that rapport, rapport yeah. from the get-go. Yeah. So, um, and all that takes time, Britt. Yeah. Out of the gate, we all have to start somewhere. Yeah. But you have to have that vision of where you're going to get mm -hmm. and what you're going to do once you get oh, to yeah. that point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it took, I mean, I'd walk your dog if you asked me to. You I'd clean it. up garages, <laughs> too, anything. Man. Yeah, so. pride doesn't pay. Pride no. doesn't pay, no. yeah. Um, let's see here. I want to talk, so, so last time we met, um, you talked about... You're, you're strictly, there's three main points I want to touch on. You're strictly going after commercial contracts. Mm -hmm. So I want, to, I want to talk about that. But mm -hmm. also, you made it seem somewhat, somewhat easy. Like, you've had all these connections over the years. Right. So I want you to talk about networking. Um, and how does someone just getting started go after kind of that larger fish in the pond, so yeah, to speak? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think, Britt, you know, my age makes a difference, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of guys get into this business, they're in their 20s, they haven't had the connections. I mean, they started out like you and I, yeah. and we don't swim in those same pools yet, yeah. right? Yeah. So been blessed to kind of get to that level where I'm hanging out with a lot of guys that are CEOs or C-class execs that are decision makers in certain um, development companies okay. or property management companies. So that's where those connections come from. So. The value of networking, and I think you and I discussed this, is you don't ever go out there and sell, right? Nobody likes to be sold, including you and I. Yeah. But when you go out there and build relationships with people, yeah. then they will do business with you, and they'll be much more willing to forgive you when you screw something up. Yeah. So even when I ran the trucking company, I always told my people, don't sell anybody anything. Yeah. You build a relationship with them, and then later on you ask them, can we move your trucks, yeah, yeah. right? So same Which thing is with, reverse. That's exactly of, right. Especially for me, I was go, 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 yeah. sell, sell, sell. Yes. I didn't care, I, I didn't want you to talk to me longer than five that's minutes because right. I had another sale to make. That's right. So how do you, is it best for people to do lower entry, lower cost in residential and then move to commercial or? I, I think so and I think really when, when these young guys are getting into it, young guys and gals, they've got to penetrate the market yeah. with you know, price and they got to penetrate it with equipment that's not maybe up to par because yeah. that's what they can afford. So residents, there's always problems to be taken care of there. Um, it, it's really the easiest entry point. Mm -hmm. The problem with residents that you and I have discussed is they can be emotional. You know, you miss a guy's little weed that you didn't, mm -hmm. didn't trim and he's got you on the phone yeah. yelling at you. Yeah. But you have to start somewhere. And if you can get there, but in your vision, in your mindset, always be trying to network and find out who are those property managers, who are these owners, who are these decision makers, and getting get in front of them somehow, mm -hmm. uh, not forcefully, but really relationally, yeah. then that's how you'll build yourself and get yourself to the point that you'll be ready yeah. when, when those opportunities come. Yeah, that's good, that's good. And one thing we've done too, because I, so we only do the turf management side, no mm -hmm. mowing, landscaping. So I was forced to build relationships with subcontractors. Mm -hmm. 
and I gave them as much business as possible. Yep. In return, we started to slowly sign some of those commercial accounts yeah. and develop those relationships where we can partner on some of the big jobs. But for us, it was all residential. And you're going strictly 100% commercial is what you're trying to you do? Yeah, that, that's our ultimate goal. And I was just with um, the guy that I started this other business with uh, yesterday, and we talked about, uh, we kind of teamed up with this other smaller guy just to kind of learn the business, really learn how to move straight stripes, right? Mm -hmm. And kind of bless him and bless yeah. us and, yeah. and learn from him. But we've kind of got the knowledge that we need now to go ahead and, and train and build our side bigger. Um, but we may have to do some resident stuff depending on how these this network goes. In fact, I'm meeting with them tomorrow night. But depending on how quickly that goes, we might have to fill some of those gaps with residents because we don't want to just wait for those. Yeah. But, you know, if, if, if I'm running a horse race, I want to win that race, mm -hmm. right? So it's like we're going to go all out and see where that goes tomorrow night. And if we don't have enough promised um, work and revenue from that, yeah. then we'll, we'll get into the residence. We'll, we'll do what we need to do yeah. until we can Keep build up to where, we, yeah. where we're going to be. Yeah. So that's that's the other thing that's really interesting to me. You, you said, so your goal for this company is to grow to a point in five years mm -hmm. where you can sell it. Mm -hmm. I think that's different as well than, than a lot of the standard for our in industry. Yeah. Talk about what are your goals for that? How are you gonna, going to do that? Yeah. Um, and you said five years is kind of your, your Yeah, plan. five years, I mean, I, you, you have to have a goal, right? Yeah. And I mean, any of us that are entrepreneurs, you have to have that goal. The problem is most of us that haven't been down that road of selling, we don't even believe it, right? Because we yeah. haven't ever experienced that. Yeah. I really didn't either, right? Yeah. I mean, again, I always started Team Driveway thinking, hey, someday I could sell it, but until I sold it, it was all blur and, and, and <laughs> exactly. unrealistic to me. Exactly. But now that I've been down that road and I really see the value and the multiple that a company in that industry is willing to pay, mm -hmm. um, then it's given me a whole new perspective of how I want to build it. And yeah. the reason I want to really aim towards commercial, Brit, is because that's where the multiple is paid on because you've got yearly contracts that are renewable. Mm -hmm. And when you build up to a point that you've got hundreds of those, yeah. That's an asset that you'll sell to that next buyer, yeah. right? Where residents, like you said, all of a sudden someone comes along, they're $5 cheaper, you're out the door, they're yeah. in. So there's not a whole lot of value add for a buyer on residential, but there is great value for a, for a buyer yeah. that has a commercial. And the value is wrapped up in those contracts, which are what, usually two years? They're usually a year. They're a usually a year. year renewable. They renew, you know, usually in December okay. uh, each year. But, but when you have them, and you've shown, so where five years comes is once we secure these commercial contracts, if I get those to renew two, three, four, five years, now you have the stability to sell that buyer okay. of the value that they're buying and the risk that they're averting. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And then you kind of have a, a pretty long track record. You got it. Of you those got commercial it. Yeah. contracts. Yeah. Um, what about the, the growth plan? So you're looking at, you've got what? one two crews right now yeah i've what just really got one crew right now okay again we just started this year out of the gate mm -hmm. uh kind of a little bit of how I, I really didn't want to start it until 2019 but the guy that's you know my, my business partner if you will he was he was wanting to go he wanted to quit his job and yeah. he's fantastic so again good people yeah. didn't want to lose him and he's yeah. he's a guy i can kind of build a business with yeah. and on um, so we got started this year, just, just one crew, um, you know, busy six days a week, yeah. so doing well, but it, it also gives us the time to collect the data and the metrics we need to go, okay, what can we make off every crew of two? Yeah. You know, and the expense that you make, I went out and bought all new stuff and probably got a little ahead of my skis, but mm -hmm. um, had the cash to be able to do that. Yeah. But now I know that what I need and then what I can make off those 
crew of two so that we know how much work we need to keep them busy, cash flow, and yeah. profit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, how active, with the way you're setting the business up, how active are you right now in the daily operations? Yeah, so, you know, I got the pleasure of actually working the business in the field uh, the week of uh, 4th of July when my, my buddy was on vacation. So, yeah. um, even though I'm, I'm the oldest guy on the team, you know, that first day was hard on me. It was so hot in yeah. July, but yeah. that was probably my favorite week. Because yeah. once you get into a rhythm, yeah. uh, to me, being out there on a mower in the field, man, that's, that's kind of peaceful, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a little bit of therapy. So, really enjoyed that week. So that was as much as I've been involved yep. in the field. The rest of the time is really just the admin work, but with, yep. with one crew, it's not much, right? Yep. So I probably spend, you know, right now an average of five hours yep. total on the business a week because all the work's being done in the field, the contracts were set up early yep. in the year. So now that we're ramping up between tomorrow night when I'm meeting with my uh, commercial contact and then into the end of the year, I'll be very busy just generating the sales because our goal is to have five crews that are totally packed busy in 2019. Wow. Yeah. So you're going to go from one to five? That's our goal. What, what, what? That's a lot of, a lot That's of awesome transition. That's awesome, though. That's yeah. good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, we, we have big goals, too. It took us, you know, about six years to get right around 1,000 clients. Yeah. And next year, we want to go to 2,000. Yeah. But it's yeah. kind of putting all those systems in place. That's right. What, um, that's that's awesome. How, how's that going to look for you from a practical standpoint? Mm -hmm. Everybody at home that's listening to this is sitting there thinking, okay, he's going from one crew yeah. to five. Right. He's not in the daily operations. Right. Are you going to get an admin, a virtual assistant? Does the guy that you are putting everything kind of on his shoulders? Yeah, yeah. So he'll probably this, end up being the, the foreman, right, in the field to watch over all these crews. That's, are all the calls going to go to him? Yes. Like who's, yeah. who's number? What is it, Mormon Landscape? Statement, you mean? What, what, yeah, so his number's on the side, you have an office number, get practical with some of that. That's right, where, yeah, where so, so he'll go? be handling most of those um, incoming calls, if you will, and all the all the employees, okay. if you will. Um, our goal is to have a bookkeeper that, okay. that'll do all the books. Payroll, I mean, yeah. You know, as much as I understand payroll and QuickBooks and all that, it's, I hate it, right? Yeah. It's yeah. like mind-numbing work. Yeah. So to have a bookkeeper that, yeah. that's in place. Um, and, you know, I think probably this next year, my wife and I are doing a bunch of traveling this fall and, mm -hmm. and early next spring before the mowing season starts. So yeah. I'll have that travel away or out of my system. Yep. And then this next year, I'll probably handle most of his incoming calls. But if all the contracts are set up with all this commercial yeah. stuff is what we anticipate, really the work's been done this fall. Okay. So if that's in place. So it's really just service calls. At you that got point. it. You okay. got it. You know, service calls or, you know, we need this done or that done or this addition. So okay. it'll be pretty light because what we're, 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 what we're not is that one shop for everybody. Yeah. And if, if the commercial side goes well out of the gate, that'll be our main pursuit. Yeah. And we really, even though we've got a website and, you know, all of our email addresses, whatever, we don't plan on being just that, that phone operations center taking yeah. in yeah. calls from everybody and which is what I do right now. <laughs> right now you do. Yeah, that's the key. You do I'm it right great, now. I'm a great admin right now. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, what about lines of service? You're doing, you're doing mowing, landscaping. Yeah, we do. Kim apps. Are you doing irrigation? We we you know what? We don't do a whole lot of irrigation. Okay. I'd rather farm that out. I don't want to be an expert in that. Yeah. Um, I think there's good money in it, but I'd rather leave that up to the experts. If we get big enough, of course we'll take it on. But right now it's not our focus. Yeah. But we'll do Kim apps, of course mowing, uh, mulch. Right in the spring, and then um, installation. Some installation, yeah, okay. yeah. I don't want to okay. focus on that. I I think those companies, although you can make 
good money doing the landscape projects. It's kind of like you eat what you kill. Mm -hmm. I'd rather have the maintenance and steady income, yeah. and we know what our cash flow is and yeah. our profit. Okay. Um, I want to respect your time. Are you are you good on I'm good? You good on time? Yeah. Um, talk about a little bit. I think people get uh, misconceptions about lawn care. Why a guy like you? Yeah. You've got plenty of money. Yeah. You're financially free, living the dream. You just sold your company for millions. Why are you? Well, one, you you've told me you, you like being outside. You like mm -hmm. working outside. Mm -hmm. What did you That's see? In what the, that was my favorite week of the year. Yeah. Yeah. What what did you see in the metrics? for starting a lawn care company yeah. that, that, that you like? You know, I, I think for me, you know, I, there's money in everything, right? Mm -hmm. I think we all know that. Um, and it was kind of like the, the driveway business. When I got into that, I was, I was blessed enough to be introduced to a business that was really new. I mean, it had just started in like 1991, yeah. right? Yeah. I got into it in about 1990. Well, it started in 1990. I got into it in 1991. So okay. here's this brand new industry. The bar's low. It's run by a bunch of guys that are ex-truck drivers. You know, not business oriented. So, really, I was thrust into an, an environment that all it took is a little bit of smarts. Yeah. The bar was set so low, it didn't take much to jump over, right? Yeah. So, kind of like we've been speaking today, that also can happen in the in, in the landscape business, right? Because yeah. anybody that's got five hundred bucks and go get a mower and go go to yeah. work. Yeah. Very low entry. You yeah. got it. So I think those guys will always make a living. You know, as long as you're willing to work and work ethic, and you know, you're, you're a hundred hour a week guy. You, you know that you can make a living doing whatever. But I like to take a business where the bar set pretty low, and 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 make it extraordinary. I mean, I see some guys around town, Ryan's and Epic and all this. Those companies have become extraordinary in a pretty low bar industry, right? Yeah. I would think you're coming, but you, you have made a niche for yourself that's very fantastic yeah. that people don't leave you because you take very good care of them, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you specialize in KIMAP, and, and I love that. Yeah. You're very specialized in that. You know your profitability, you know your numbers, your metrics. It's a great place to be. But there's a lot of guys out here that, man, all they do is they, they ride around, you know, retired guys or young guys or whatever, and just kind of keeping it very simple. And that's good. There's so much work to, to go around that, that can yeah. happen. But I do like to take kind of a low bar industry. I'm not a tech guy. I don't have all that knowledge mm -hmm. and smarts. I like to take a low bar industry that's really a labor-driven industry and make it make it great, efficient, build a culture, and, and, and really make a, a business out of yeah. something that's more of a mom-and-pop operation. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. You've, you've obviously done it, so. From the trucking. Yeah. 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 Landscape. But it's repeatable, like you said. That's right. It's always harder the first time. Yeah. The second, third, and fourth time you've been there and you kind of know the drill, so. That's right. And you can't go into any, I mean, there's so many business success stories that you hear that guys made a bunch of money in X and they go and open a restaurant, yeah. right? Because they think they can run a restaurant. Yeah. Don't do that. That's your quickest way to take, you know, to make a million bucks in the restaurant business, you just start with five million, yeah. right? Yeah. So don't do that, but get into something that you understand, yeah. that really the, the labor force, the uh, ideas behind it, the solving that problem is pretty, pretty similar. Yeah. And I think apply what you know and your knowledge, and, and then of course when you have some cash to apply to it, you yeah. can make anything great. Yeah. yeah. And this to me, it's fun, and when I do get the time to spend in the field, that's, that's therapy time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's where you want to be. All right, and then um, I also think it's interesting, back to the beginning of your story, you kind of had to take that really, really huge risk with all those credit cards, and yeah. I mean, that's that, that's a lot of risk, and you, you kind of yeah. had the experience, you knew that you could kind of bootstrap it and make it work. I, but you, I thought I could. Yeah, 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 you thought you could. Yeah. So that's a huge risk. Last time we spoke, you also talked about, though, if you don't have the money 
you don't you don't cut a check for. You prefer to be debt free. Right yeah. Now. Yes, is sir. that still kind of your viewpoint, or will you will you take on debt service at some point? I, I won't. I mean, I just I just don't. Even in my personal life now, if, if I can't write a check for it, I, I don't need it bad enough. Okay. I think it's a good way to live, and you keep yourself out of trouble, right? Now, listen. A lot of people can use leverage and do very well. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Donald Trump is a good example. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Highly leveraged, made billions of dollars. I'm just, me personally, I'm not willing to take that risk. I would rather, I might not be the richest guy ever, yeah. but I won't be the poorest guy ever either, right? Yeah. So I like to be comfortable and yeah. make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm not over my skis. Yeah. One point on the borrowing the money from the credit cards. I don't recommend that for everybody. Yeah. I was 23 years old. I was married. I had no kids. I lived in an apartment. I was worth about seven grand, mm-hmm. right? Total, if you liquidate <laughs> me, squeeze me hard. But... I didn't have a choice, and I was either going to lose my dream of what I thought I could do, or I'm going to, I'm going to take that risk. And when I looked at my wife, I said, honey, here's, here's the deal. This is a huge risk, and if this doesn't work out, we're going to either live with your mother or mine. Yeah. To me, that was enough of a risk to not fail, because exactly. I didn't want to live with her mom exactly. or mine, right? Exactly. But I was young, and, and what I recommend to your audience here is, when you're young, you got a lot of runway ahead. Yeah. You've got opportunity that if it fails, you can recover. Yeah. But don't put your dreams aside. Wait till you're 40 and think you can live them then. Because when you have a wife, kids, cars, a house, and you are you are really a slave to several of the men mm-hmm. in this world, your your chances to, to be an entrepreneur are almost out the window. Yeah. So if you're ambitious, do it when you're young. Take the risk. Suck it up. Work 100-hour weeks. Yeah. And, and, and and you'll make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. That's great advice. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time. This is this has been great. And uh, I think our audience will get a lot of a lot of value out of this. Good. So, Good. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Yeah. Good stuff. What's up? What's up? This is Britt with the Lawn Care Leaders podcast, brought to you by Green Again Lawn. I uh, just wanted to uh, give you guys a heads up, have a great episode here for you today. We'll be speaking with Jim Marmon, um, who has been an entrepreneur from the get. He started a business. Um, you'll hear kind of his experience working with a company, seemed to be doing good, seemed to be uh, kind of rolling along and wasn't rewarded the way he the way he wanted. So started that company, stuck with it for 20 years, um, went through a couple different transitions in his life, um, but eventually sold that company. And uh, in 2015, they were doing about $25 million in top-line revenue uh, before he sold it. So a uh, very skilled entrepreneur, been around the block, um, great man of faith, Good, good conversation, and uh, just you, you'll get a lot of value out of this. We touch on a few key points because um, he is starting a landscape company. Um, one interesting thing that he's doing though is he is building a company with the intention of selling it in five years. So we touch on some of those things. We talk about networking um, since he's primarily going after commercial accounts, and then we talk about you know what he's doing to get that to grow in in five years. Um, a little bit of debt free talk. And then just just personal growth and, and good practical business advice. So hope you get a lot of value out of this. Um, looking forward to uh, hearing your guys' feedback on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, just uh, an all-around great podcast here. I I, I really enjoyed this one. Um, I've been com- becoming good friends with uh, Mr. Marmon, so it's always good to to see people that are kind of pouring into you and you you're developing a relationship with. It's always good to see where they've been. Um, and kind of those roadblocks and hurdles that they've had to go through. Because 
um, obviously we're right in the thick of it right now with our company so listen in and uh, hope you guys find as much value from this as we did what a great interview right jim marman he's a great guy um we really really appreciated having him come on the podcast and share a little bit of his story what he's doing on the landscape side and uh, just some of his personal uh, business advice and kind of people knowledge i mean that's that's priceless so he's doing big things and really glad that he took time out of his day to do that for us Hey, uh, if you will, if you found any value remotely in this, will you subscribe to it, share it with friends? Um, our goal with this is to help lawn care, landscape, hardscape, service industry professionals um, not only focus on what they're doing, but actually how to build a business and add value at scale. Um, so if you're finding any value in this, please share it. Please tell your friends. Leave us a review. Um, comment back on Instagram. We'll post this on Instagram, Green Again Lawn. Uh, my personal account, at bdowd32 on Twitter. Um, and uh, if you want to send me a direct email right now, that is greenagainlawn at gmail.com. We will be opening up new social platforms and emails under the Lawn Care Leaders heading. That should be coming out next week. So hope you guys are enjoying this. We've got a lot more scheduled. Um, we've got an interview for next week scheduled with Brown Brothers. Um, there is Eddie Brown here locally in Kansas City. Um, young guy and just doing a lot of great stuff on social media. So that's going to be geared more towards social media content. What to do, how to how to add your following on both Instagram and Facebook platforms. He's done some YouTube work as well. But really small local company but they're doing really big stuff on social. And so we kind of want you guys to be on the forefront of that. And we're looking to learn from them and hopefully add what they've done into, into our system. So again, thank you for listening in. This has been the Lawn Care Leaders Podcast. Looking forward to being back with you again next week. Thank you.